I think times are over where you show in a corporate environment and then you think from now on you can take some rest until you go um, in pension. Many, many areas in Allianz at least became quite entrepreneurial over the last couple of years. Mostly Awesome, a podcast about the wins and fails of innovators, brought to you by CDTM in Munich. Welcome to Mostly Awesome. Our guest today is Daniel Besendorfer, CEO of Allianz Technology, the IT provider of Allianz Group with over 10,000 employees worldwide and its headquarters in Munich. We are really excited to talk to someone from a corporate context in this season as well, as we aim for diverse perspectives at Mostly Awesome. Daniel's insights perfectly complement the conversations we already had with people from entrepreneurship and research. But before we get started, as always, we will walk you through the personal journey of our guest. Daniel has an educational background in economics. In his undergraduate years, he studied at Boston University and later got a doctorate degree from the University of Freiburg. To kickstart his professional career, he joined Allianz as an executive assistant of the Germany Life Insurance branch, a position that, as he will describe, really influenced how he thought about his opportunities at Allianz. Rather quickly, he took management responsibilities and became a head of corporate customer strategy and then head of broker sales marketing. Having held many different positions at Allianz for almost 17 years by now, at the beginning of this year, Daniel started his new journey as a chief executive officer at Allianz Technology. Before deep diving into the conversation with Daniel, let me give you a quick overview of what we will discuss. We started out by talking about Daniel's role as a CEO at Allianz Technology, what it means to be steering such a big ship and how he got there. We will also hear whether he always imagined himself in this role. We then talked about Allianz's take on social and environmental responsibilities and heard what they do to get women into leadership. Lastly, we hear how innovation is driven at Allianz Technology, why an entrepreneurial mindset is necessary also in the corporate context, and how decisions are made regarding the adaption of new technologies at Allianz Technology. Let's listen into this exciting new episode with a leader and innovator from the corporate world, Daniel Besendorfer. Let's start right into the first question. Daniel, we're super glad that you're here and that you're spending our time with us today. Allianz Technology has 10,000 employees around the world. That is quite big. What are the most important skills that one should have for the CEO role? And how or where did you develop these skills for being an effective leader? Yeah. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for the question. I think the most important thing here is not the magnitude, the size of Allianz technology, but its global footprint. So I would say being having a diverse and inclusive mindset is probably the first most important thing. The second one is... We talk about technology inside Allianz Technology. We are the tech provider for whole Allianz Group. So to really establish and nurture a technology culture is probably the second most important thing. And well, if you ask me where to get these capabilities from for quite a while with Allianz and also with Allianz Technology, I got quite some training into this direction for my job. And it's actually the organization that that trains you in a certain way. But it's not only Allianz, it's not only Allianz technology. 
So having conversations with guys like you is also kind of training that keeps me awake, that keeps me up to date. And also this I have to apply in my daily job. Yeah. So um, we will actually touch upon your journey and your time uh, at Allianz later as well. So we were just wondering, given like, of course, like the technology is at the core of what Allianz technology does, but still given the kind of size, how can you manage to keep that overview of what, what's going on where at all the time? I think overview is already heading into the right direction. So this is not about coordination or so. Definitely, it's not about micro-steering. What I find important for an organization like this is that you set some clear guardrails. And here you have to be very, very thoughtful first and strict, thoughtful about which guardrails you want to apply. So for example, in, in, in technology, is a lot about architecture. Having a right architecture in place sound or may sound quite strict, on a first view, but it creates huge freedom on a second view. Because if you have the right guardrails in place, then you don't need to do a lot of micromanagement afterwards. And if you look into tech giants like Amazon or so, they follow exactly these principles. They have some very few, but very strict guardrails in place. And then there's a lot of a high degree of freedom for all the coders to work inside these guardrails. And what we try to really established in Alliance technology is exactly following the same the same direction so setting out mm -hmm. some guardrails and then the rest is almost going by itself and you can apply guardrails along various dimensions so i mentioned tech and architecture but also organizational wise you can define for example minimum and maximum sizes of certain branches then then this is a guardrail But then where do you build the next branch or how fast this is evolving? Well, can it, it, it will just evolve according to this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what would you actually say is kind of the main responsibility of being CEO of a large corporate? Is it setting these guardrails or is there more to it? Well, first of all, it's it's... It's about giving this vehicle a certain direction. And uh, then second is to drive the organization into this direction. And again, this is not micro-steering or so. But people are usually not every day at least excited about the next change. And I think this is less a question if in which industry this, this company is working. It's more a human being thing, I, at least along my experience. So, so to, to further drive this, to, to really excite people for that kind of daily change, to move into the right direction, this I see as my first, first task. And then let's not forget this is also about keeping people happy, right? So it's uh, motivate them. It's, uh, it's not, you cannot achieve anything just with, with pressure or so, but, but really creating the right mix of, of exciting tasks challenging tasks also i think that also belongs to that story yeah so a lot about rather the emotional level if i understand it correctly so like keeping the motivation high and seeing that employees are happy so what do you actually do if uh, you yourself go into a day not being so much motivated maybe is that uh... <laughs> so so i i just wanted to add it's not only about happiness or so right so it's we, we we steer the company 
along quite some some strict KPIs as well. Again, it, it refers a little bit to what I said before about guardrails. We usually do not apply them to micro steer or anything, but but just to create a certain level of transparency about where do we stand. And then there is absolute visibility on, on this and, and no question. And then people can still decide what they do to come closer to their targets again. But I think it's more... It's more the, the level of transparency here that matters than to steer a certain sub-entity of this company into a certain direction of a certain KPI. That's not that's probably not the right direction. And then if you ask me what, what do I self keep myself happy or, or motivated? Well, actually in, in Allianz, in whole Allianz, we, we invested quite a lot over the last couple of of, of years and things like mindfulness, we encourage people to really work on a on a certain inner balance. I have a certain problem with this this work life balance term because I think at least so that's, that's how I take it personally. My work is also part of my life, so I, I really cannot balance this against each other. But a certain inner balance is important, so that that you that you realize when you need some rest and then you also take some rest and that this is not a problem if this is five minutes in between two meetings for example i personally do also yoga every morning that's that's one of my routines not long 20 minutes 30 minutes that's fine but that helps me to have a great start into the day at least and if i need then a minute of mindfulness in between i do this as well nice so um, already talking about this, yeah, people side of the job and um, also, yeah, staying motivated yourself. Does this huge responsibility that you have as a CEO sometimes keep you up at night and why? No, it doesn't. So usually I sleep well, always slept well, but that doesn't mean that I don't feel that responsibility. So I know that usually questions like this are asked this way, but really it doesn't keep me awake but sometimes the, the, the responsibility is enormous and then it not only depends on me and my, my thoughts about this but it really depends on how much of a strong team you have to can cope so that you're able to cope with this this level and this amount of, of responsibility i mean mm. we, we are as aliens technology we are not only responsible for 10,000 people we are responsible for a couple of thousand customers of Allianz, mm. a couple of million customers of Allianz Group. We, during the crisis, we had responsibility, for example, to make uh, 140,000 Allianz employees worldwide work from home. <laughs> so, so there's multiple responsibility in, in this job. And this cannot be done by just one, one person. You really need a strong team behind these tasks mm, for sure yeah so do you somehow manage to when you get home to just switch off and say okay alliance technology i left that building now so let's keep with my mind also somewhere else or is that not so much possible yeah again i i think the crisis taught us that this is not necessarily even between an office building and a home building or so it's more fluent. I think it's really important is, again, that, that everyone personally find 
his or her border so so that there is a line where you say from now on and that can mean very different things from now on it's my private life and then i do i don't know i have time with my family i spend time with my kids or i I go out for a walk or i do some sports whatever that's my private life but i can take a conscious decision five minutes later to say and now i start a job slot right Mm. so I think this kind of switch on, switch off is, is an ability one should have, or at least it's very helpful if you have it. Mm, for sure. So now that we're already a bit touching upon your personal background, becoming a CEO of such a big company is not something that happens overnight. So was this always a goal of yours? To be honest, at least I could always imagine, yes. A goal, well, there are not so many positions like like this um, even in a large large corporate so you cannot set this as an ultimate target or goal but at least you should be able to imagine that's helpful at least and mm-hmm. um, then i can only yeah i can only speak for for allianz because i spent my whole job career inside allianz i have to say this is a great company that that supports you if if you have this imagination and that that helps you to nurture your talent that that helps you to really learn things that are necessary to do this kind of job or at least very very helpful so that that also belongs to that story it wasn't one one of thing where somebody pushed a button and out of a sudden i became ceo not at all mm-hmm. But looking back still, your career looks quite straightforward there. As you said, you spent your whole professional career at Allianz. But back then, why did you decide or how did you decide on a corporate career? I think that had already something to do with my study. So I'm, I'm a trained economist and I did already my master's studies as well as then later on my PhD studies very much in the area of social security. So that was at least somehow close to insurance. And insurance is all about pooling. So the larger your insurance pool is, the better this company is able to scale because it scales in asset management, it scales in risk pooling. So therefore, if you are interested in insurance, it's, I would say, almost a natural choice to go for a large insurance company and not a small mm-hmm. one um, Makes a lot there of are sense. exceptions but, but but this is almost the nature of the game but i was also not not shying away from this corporate thing as such because i also for example like very much the global scope of allianz so i at least i had a certain imagination what what this means what this is about Turned out then in my first years at least to be quite different, but maybe we come to that later. And I was also fascinated by the idea that if if you do something in such a corporate environment, there must be something like a huge lever because this 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 large corporate spends around the whole globe. So it's not about a global culture only, but also a huge about a huge lever. And that was also something that that excited me at that time. I have to say, and still excites me. Can you can you maybe tell us about this lever? Like when did you first feel it that you like that this corporate like that you have this lever also personally, right? I mean, of course now as a CEO you do have that power and lever as you said it, but maybe at your first job 
at Allianz, maybe you didn't. So when was kind of the turning point where you noticed, ah, like this is, see, I can actually change something here. Actually, in my, already in my very, very first job pretty early. And, but I heard those stories from various other colleagues inside Allianz. And maybe it's part of, of even, even a certain part of Allianz culture as well. Uh, when I joined, I joined as a so-called executive assistant. This is even a program inside Allianz where you start uh, to work for a board member. In my case, it was in life insurance and German life insurance branch. And at that time, the German government decided up on certain pension vehicles and corporate pensions. And these pension vehicles had to be managed as, as separate companies, as separate legal entities. And my boss at that time was, was heading two of these pension vehicles. And then we realized that formally this is a, is a real company, but it is just organized internally, just, just like a product. And, and then someone said, well, probably we have to manage this whole corporate or company environment, this, this legal framework of this entity in, in a more professional way. And out of a sudden, I was basically the CEO of, of, a, of, yeah, of, a, of a company by its own, which was very interesting because this, this, this vehicle evolved rapidly. And in just a couple of months, it, we, we ranked with this, with this one vehicle only among the top 100 insurance, life insurance companies in Germany. And I was still managing this thing in an Excel spreadsheet as kind of my, my, as part of my, my first job. So it had much more startup character. Obviously, step by step, we leveraged this into the usual corporate structures. We, we, we used the regular legal department, the regular controlling department. But when I joined, all of this was not there. And, and I, I really had to manage this as if I would lead an, an, a startup. So that, that was quite an interesting an exciting experience already in my very first days. It happened basically two, two weeks after I joined Allianz. Hmm. Is this also why before you said, yeah, like the first job wasn't really what you had imagined initially or? No, to be honest, there was more the downside because as I said, I, I hope to join a global corporate, but this is probably something of the more difficult or tricky, tricky parts of a corporate. A corporate is by definition a, a huge thing and mm. in many cases spans around the whole globe. But then you start to work somewhere and that's not necessarily the headquarters. So in my case, it wasn't the headquarters. It was the German branch, which is a huge difference. And after a couple of weeks, uh, my, when my boss asked me, so how, how do I like it? It's a great environment. I said, job-wise, I'm super happy. But... I realized that I'm not exactly at the global Allianz group, but I realized that I'm in a German life branch of the Allianz group. And then he was laughing and saying, yeah, that's true. You are. <laughs> <laughs> so that was for me quite surprising. And then I spent, although already in various jobs, then almost 13 years in, in, in the German branch of Allianz before I joined the global corporate level. Yeah. Wow. Maybe one question I have there just out of curiosity. 
because it sounds like from the very beginning and in your first job as, re as well, you were sort of in touch with this like leadership level, right? So do you think this made a difference for you? And what is the difference between a person that joins and then really strives for this like higher positions and a person that joins and is just like really happy with the job they have and like just as happy to stay there at some point, if that is understandable? It's completely understandable. Well, there is a difference and it's twofold. The mm -hmm. difference is if you start to work for somebody on that level, mm -hmm. you get two things that are not average. The, the first one is you get more attention. Just you, you, you're stepping out of the mass by, by definition mm. because you work in such an exposed position. And that might help you for maybe the next step or the next two steps to, to accelerate these a little bit. The other thing that is different, and this is much more important, I have to say, you see At the very beginning of your career, you see something, you get an insight that you will never get again until you become a board member yourself. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the magnitude of the scope, the, uh, how broad the scope is and, and how many, to how many details you have access to, this is really a remarkable difference and helped me a lot to, to yeah, to shape my personal imagination of what, what, what this job being a board member or maybe even a CEO later on is about. Mm -hmm. And it, it helped me to understand much better what is needed on, on that level also to get as information or to get as, as solutions, which I then had to provide in, in many of my, of my uh, later jobs. So, so it, it just helped me to adjust probably better according to the needs of my, of my customers, so to speak, which, was, mm -hmm. which are in the, in the end board members because the whole company is somehow working into, into this direction. One should not overestimate, though, this first effect of attention. I hear this often when I, when I mentor younger talents or so, that they seek a little bit too much for this attention dimension. So they want to become executive assistants, head of offices, and they want to lead the strategy department and things like that. I would rather recommend to be a bit careful in this regard. So as I said, the first job might be good in this direction, but then I'm, I always prefer to go very, very soon to operational responsibilities mm -hmm. because that's where you learn the stuff. That, that's where you learn what this company is about. And that's, where you learn how to act in a responsible way. So it's, it's really a difference if you define the strategy based on own experience or if you define the strategy according to a textbook. Mm -hmm. And uh, this experience piece, you cannot re replace by, by textbook knowledge, really not. Do you think this operational experience at Allianz can be replaced by operational experience at other companies or in consulting, for example? Although, yeah, probably debatable whether this is operational, but what do you yeah, think there? For sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So this is not exclusively um, linked to, to Allianz. We, we have, by the way, have thousands of, of employees who, who, who join us from, from other companies. Mm. Um, which is, I have to admit, a remarkable difference compared to the past. 
So mm-hmm. in, in former decades, I think Allianz was a bit more of, I would almost call it arrogant. So in terms of we are the market leader and either you join early in your career or you will not join Allianz anymore. And if you once mm-hmm. leave Allianz, then you leave it forever. This is a completely different world today. So I don't care if somebody was already with Allianz and then left the company for whatever reasons, as long as he or she is good, they can always come back. And it's also mm-hmm. no problem at all, just the opposite. I, I recruit heavily from, from other companies. If you start your career at a different place, why not? So for sure, this can be a place. It's not at all exclusive to Allianz. Mm. While we're already on the recruiting process, so what are kind of values that you are looking for when recruiting new employees? And maybe also, like, do you have any corporate values at Allianz a Technology that you try to spread throughout the entire company? Yeah, well, first of all, it's uh, for sure about the capabilities as such. And in Allianz Technology, we really, really focus on tech capabilities. Um, mm-hmm. So for sure, we recruit from from other directions as as well but tech is really in in focus and for us it's it's really the basis for for what we are doing maybe it's even a bit extreme in our case because most of the non-tech jobs they are just we have them also in alliance but we have them in the non-technology parts by definition right so if you want to join as a mathematician or i don't know as a with a business background MBA background or so, uh, or as an economist, you you can for sure, you will join Allianz, but, but in other departments, in other areas. Then second, you mentioned kind of the value system. I mentioned one already, diversity and inclusiveness is super high on our agenda, particularly again in, in Allianz technology. And this is because we have this truly global footprint that I mentioned already. We are one of the most global parts of, of whole Allianz Group. And, and this is just due to the fact that Allianz Technology as an entity has really basically employees everywhere where, where we have Allianz business entities. And this is quite a distinction from any other part of the Allianz Group because the headquarter is somehow, I would call it international. Many people from all the world work there, but it's centered exclusively Munich Mm -hmm. or the, I don't know, other global lines like our corporate business. It's also a very global entity, but it's not everywhere where Allianz is. It's just there where they do corporate business. And then you have the local entities, local branches like Allianz in Germany. It's a huge organization, again, very diverse, but at least exclusively in Germany. And uh, therefore, Allianz, Allianz Technologies really one of the most global parts of whole alliance and therefore we need this diverse and inclusive mindset we have a couple of other other values people attributes how we call them and yes they are important as well so you cannot just join with your hard skills so to speak um, if we believe in the interview process that this is not a fit towards our people attributes we will never make it into alliance and mm. even if you made it, you will not stay for long, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Mm. That perfectly leads into our next question. What we are always doing in this podcast is we're asking our guests for a question for the next guest. 
And actually, the question we have for you is coming from Aleph, who is the uh, founder of Female Tech Leaders. And uh, she was asking, what is one concrete thing that you do to get more women into leadership at Allianz Technology? <laughs> the reason why I'm hesitating is not that I have nothing in mind, but I have many things in mind. So. <laughs> Even better. Give us all. Seriously. So the, it's, it's, it's a... It's a very serious topic mm, mm. in a in a corporate environment, but in a corporate technology environment in particular, mm. because here you have two kind of two two directions that work against this topic. The corporate environment is sometimes really I would not even call it hostile against women, but hostile against families, mm -hmm. and this is, for example, something where we where we worked hard over the last couple of years to, to ease the burden, to lower the burden for, for families, to allow for more flexible ways of working. I think the crisis, the pandemic crisis, in a way, was, was helping uh, strongly, by the way, in this regard, because it, it, it finally proved that many things we had either in mind already before or at least in, uh, had installed already in a limited way, we could could really see them work even at large scale. So mm -hmm. no one would question these days any longer that that it works with flexible work from home and office and according to personal needs. That helps families massively. And I know what mm -hmm. I'm talking about because I also have a family and I also want to bring my kids to the kindergarten in the morning. For mm -hmm. us, it's a family topic. But then I work longer in the office the last couple of months also from home, but I worked longer in the evening hours and then my wife picked up the kids from the kindergarten in the afternoon. So I think here we have a bit of an unfortunate link between this women topic, the, the representation of, of women, particularly in leadership positions, and the fact that many, many family activities were kind of hostile to this corporate environment. The second thing I would I would like to mention is is clear focus. I, there is a, an interesting quote. I unfortunately don't know from whom, but I, I read it often that women are over mentored but under promoted, and I think there's a certain truth in this. So also Allianz started many many years ago to to do more mentoring for women, but when it came to really bring people into position. It was still always about men. And this mm -hmm. is something we drastically changed. So you you cannot go into, into such a process any longer if you do not have sufficient number of women in the pipeline. So already in the talent pipelines, and we really bring them into place. Um, I don't know if you're aware, but Allianz is uh, currently the one corporate player in, in, in Germany with the, with the highest number of women in its central board. And it's holding board. Oh. So here you can see that it's not lip service. And we apply the same rules to all our various uh, management levels. It's mm -hmm. bonus relevant. So it really matters for us. And then this is the not so soft part of the story, but it also has to be mentioned. If you want to move forward that in, in this direction, then you also have to connect it with the incentive schemes that are that are just important in such a corporate environment. Mm. I'm pretty sure Aleph will be glad to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, touching upon another topic, um, so social and environmental responsibility is becoming more and more also a topic uh, for corporates. So how does Allianz Technology think about addressing uh, the sustainable development goals and how do you personally think about corporates' uh, responsibilities within a society? Yeah, thanks for that question as well, because I know that there is always this reputation about the bad corporates out uh, just these days we heard a lot in the media again about tax avoidance for example where fortunately i have to say now the government level on a global scale found a way to get this restricted a little bit at least but again i have to say at the alliance we look at this in a completely different way we call them esg topics ecologic social and governance topics and again we have hard targets according to this And this for quite a while now. We, we announced very publicly a couple of years ago, for example, that we exited any investments into coal-related business. But this is not the end of the story. So we really want to reach a net zero greenhouse gas emission investment portfolio. Sounds like a terrible word, I know. By, by 2050. And now you say, well, 2050, this is a long, long time. But we talk about the multi-billion dollar investment portfolio or euro investment portfolio of whole alliance group so this is something you you and, and behind this investment portfolio there is real business so we invest into companies right so um, to to come up with such a target is is really a, a huge bold move and probably one of the biggest levers we have even in our hands to to really sustainably change the way of thinking of working and and how the whole the whole business is 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 working in the end so this is not just i don't know saving some energy that you use to run your company but this is really strongly influencing the whole business sector and you saw it with other companies like blackrock as well same same strategy where they increase the pressure via their investment decisions on the whole on the whole business on the on, on basically all all the economic sector so this is the strongest thing that we're doing but we do smaller things as well so just as a more much more smaller but very close to my heart initiative we we as alliance technology did we for example sponsored a ship that is now entering the mediterranean sea just these days i think in in four weeks from now, we start just to fish plastic out of the Mediterranean Sea. And again, for, for us as an insurance company, this is not exactly lip service because we need an intact environment. If, if we destroy our environment, there is nothing to be insured. And this is not only true if in the very moment when everything is destroyed, but already before, because if you have extreme weather for example natural catastrophes then it's it's very very difficult to calculate the respective risk and offer respective insurance products so therefore for us for our business model for our purpose it is extremely important that we have an environment that is at least somehow intact and we do a lot into, into this direction yeah. all right then Tim, if there's nothing anymore from your side, then uh, let's jump into our next blog, which is about innovation within the corporate world. 
we talked about it very briefly before already and having quite an entrepreneurial audience here. Would you say an entrepreneurial mindset also helps within big corporations such as Allianz and in what way? I would not only say that it helps, I, I would say it's necessary. I think times are over where you join a corporate environment and then you think this from now on you can take some rest until you go um, in pension. Many, many areas in, inside Allianz at least became quite entrepreneurial in over the last couple of days. Yes, sorry. And, and you see it also in our organizational structures, which became much more agile during that period. So I would say over the last five years, massively, really massively. And, and we need the ideas of everyone. So it's not any longer that, that board, maybe even the CEO alone has all the wisdom to, to decide everything. So, so you need really the, the collective skills, the collective wisdom, so to speak. And this you can only get if, if there is a certain entrepreneurial spirit also among your workforce. So therefore, not only helpful, but in my opinion, really necessary. Yeah. So one characteristic of startups is that hierarchies are very flat. Um, so I was wondering, I mean, usually top-down communication works rather well, but how does uh, bottom-up communication look like at Allianz? Again, I would say it's, it's true that a large corporate almost by definition has a has more hierarchy than, than, a, than a startup. But we did a lot over the last years to reduce hierarchy, to really take out formal line management, replace it by more agile structures. I mentioned this already. And that also helped to change the communication or interaction. It became much more fluent. It became much more bi-directional. Also, the, the platforms changed massively. So if I look into town halls that we conduct today, it's more like a conversation. It's less, less of a presentation. We also, in most of the cases, we invite employees to present their topics. And that's not only top-down messages that their board members do their presentations, things like that. So I think to, to, to answer your question, you have to look into various dimension of what communication and interaction is about. Something has to do with the hierarchy per se, with the organization per se, where we saw a lot of changes. Sometimes it's just about more the, the style, the, the, the way how people behave towards each other, which also, by the way, became much, much more informal. So when I joined Allianz, I can tell you there was a dark suit, a tie, a white shirt, and yeah, lots of hierarchy. 18 years later, you can join your office in a very casual way. Nobody will complain and it's completely irrelevant. So I think that also has to do with, with communication and with the, with, with the culture that allows to speak up or that at least encourage people to, to speak up. Nice. With regards to, um, so you so far mentioned the agile, well, an agile system re with regards to an entrepreneurial mindset. I would be really interested in, do you also have some way of, well, supporting maybe intrapreneurship at Allianz and how do you handle new technologies? How do you introduce them? That would be super nice to hear. Yeah, we have and we had for quite a while, again and again, some, some entities 
where we really set up consciously an, an intrapreneurial framework to, to nurture particular things that we wanted to, wanted to drive somehow. So for example, like many other companies around the globe, five years ago, no, now six years ago, we installed a digital factory because at that point in time, it was absolutely important that we really understand what or understood what, what digitization is about. Not just some fancy front ends, but what, what really UX is about, what the details of it, the, the, to really learn it. And here I have to admit the corporate environment can sometimes be a bit hostile because there are other rules or guardrails existing, other types of culture is existing. And then if you if you want to think if you want to start to do things differently, it's it's rather tough. So for those particular topics, it makes a lot of sense. I would also call our specific investment arm into new technologies, Alliance X is such a such a vehicle. Um, also in the design arena for we we have certain sub companies that we completely put out of the corporate radar to allow them to work in higher degree of freedom so for for those things to nurture things it makes sense there is no one one crucial thing you have to think about you have to bring this back afterwards and this is not easy and that's for example one reason why after 5 years we we canceled the experiment of the digital factory again but it was a conscious decision not because it was unsuccessful but after five years we decided or we had the impression now we learned what this is about now we have to immediately start to bring this back into the next level of our global corporate culture and then it doesn't make any sense any longer to keep this part separately i mean just to stick with this super simple example of a digital factory in former former times we also had no department to learn how to work on paper so so it was just the way to do it so now we learned how to work digital now it's just the way how we do it for stop so you have to decide consciously in which areas and why you want to do this but you have to take a conscious decision as well when to take it back is mm. is as important as the first decision because yeah. otherwise you have a parallel universe which will never scale into your corporate structures back. And then it's it, it's not value adding for you as a corporate. Makes a lot of sense. Um, still, I'm wondering because there are always new technologies coming up, right? So I guess then you would always need a, a digital factory for like a new technology or how do you handle this that you keep an overview there? No, I, I think here we have an advantage as, as Alliance Technology. So mm -hmm. technology is really our core business so to speak so so to manage the software life cycle also to apply a, a new technology on a daily basis is, is just our it's just our job so so here we i don't see any any conflict with the with the existing environment in technology but probably what is what is interesting then is and and you introduced your questions here with with the topic of innovation how to use this new technology to provide value add for our business units. And this mm -hmm. is a different story. Yeah. So for, just give you a very tangible example. We, we ramped up an own IoT platform already 
10 years ago in Allianz. And at that point in time, we had been a front runner in this regard. But then we missed an opportunity to apply this consistently in all our markets in telematics. We only had quite some success in Italy and then later on a little bit in Germany, but we were not, not fast enough. So for me, it's an example of having a, a technology at hand, but it didn't find its way fast enough into our business units. And this is something that we currently, as we speak, really change, that we foster a constant, continuous dialogue as part of our agile way of working, by the way, so it's not an artificial one, between business and IT units to always discuss not only an abstract availability of some new technology, but also its application in or for our business and whatever we offer to end customers. And that's where the real value that comes from. Can you maybe tell us a bit more what technologies you're currently trying to push into the business units? With all my respect, push is exactly the wrong word here because the push doesn't help. So it, it, it needs some push and some pull from, from both sides. So I would call it more, it's the product of a, of a mutual dialogue or so. Because yeah, okay. we, we in technology need to understand the business challenges first or as part of this dialogue, whereas the business needs to understand which kind of advantages a certain application of a certain technology might have for them to help them to solve their, their challenge. So I, I'm explicitly mentioning this because exactly this push thought was had been applied for, for too long time. And this is, that doesn't lead to, to any any successful attempt because a push usually leads to some resistance and then the, the, the business is just not willing to make use of a new technology opportunity. But if you ask me now for some examples, so I, I would say I, first IoT is coming back. We see it strongly now and IoT looks different than from 10 years ago. So this is not only about some plugins for, for some cars because the new cars are anyhow connected vehicles already. But it's a lot about what's going on with echo devices, for example, that, that, that are available in, in each and every household these days, or at least in every third household. It's a lot about other connected devices that, that basically are all around these days. I mean, even a fridge is connected these days. Your water tap, if it's a modern one, is connected already. And this has a huge influence on the way how we make our business. Because, for example, if you can avoid a certain water damage because you have connection to that particular water tap, it becomes a different story, a different insurance and claim story than if you just have to pay the claim after the damage has happened. So I think here you can immediately see how much this is influencing what, what insurance is finally about. So we can move with, with applying this, we can move much stronger from paying claims towards providing prevention services. Another mm -hmm. example is blockchain, where we, at least in insurance, I, I would say even spearheading the, the movement. So blockchain is a hype that's now, currently it's Bitcoin driven, but already five, five years ago, this hype started. The te technology was easy uh, to understand, at least. 
but it was always a question of use cases. Very interesting. So, so the whole financial industry was looking for use cases like hell, but not so many had had been found so far, had been detected. Uh, we use it now. We made this public a couple of weeks ago for our internal international claim settlement. So that this is the system kicks in when one of our customers is involved in any kind of, of claims case, for example, an accident, if more than one alliance entity globally is involved. So for example, if you go with your car to France, you have an accident there, there might be alliance in France and alliance in Germany affected by this. But then afterwards, you have to organize an, an, a cash transfer from France to Germany or the other direction. And these cash transfers had been conducted manually in former times with a lot of manual work that had to be done along the, ver the insurance contracts. And now we do this via blockchain because the contract data is anyhow there. You can connect it to the system. The system can immediately detect the obligations on both sides. And if a certain event is happening, in this case, the accident, the transfer is automatically conducted. It's a typical blockchain use case. And with, 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 do, with doing these kind of use cases, that allowed us to learn. And, and with this experience, now we understand the potential of this technology much better. And that goes back to what I explained already before. It's exactly an example for this business and IT dialogue that you have to have to really detect the business value. The value is not that we use blockchain. The value is to use blockchain in the right areas. One last question before we move on to our uh, toolbox. And this is, it sounds like you really know quite exactly what these technologies are about. And I'm wondering whether it is a trade-off and how you handle to really like, on one hand, keep an overview of what is going on and, you know, like be the CEO of a big company, but then at the same time have this vision and this idea of what is coming and what could be could be great ideas or yeah, to implement it alliance technology. So yeah, do you set, a, set aside specific times that you think about innovation, about new technology or how do you handle it? Uh, yeah, yes, for sure. Um, I mean, that applies not only for the job of a CEO, I think it starts much earlier. You can, particularly in a corporate environment, but probably even in any other another business environment, you can spend the whole day with some administrative tasks. Mm. So there's always, you're always occupied. There's always something to do, always. Unfortunately, this applies even more if you are working in a more hierarchical framework because the, the tendency of, of this bit unfortunate upwards delegation is, is quite strong. So if you want to be occupied with administrative tasks. The probability is even higher on, on higher levels of, the, of this corporate environment. So this is something, fortunately, that you can at least decide. So I don't want to spend all my time with these tasks. And I told my environment, so to speak, so to the people that work with me and for me. And fortunately, I have a lot of people around me that can also defend me from this kind of task. I told them clearly, please ensure that I have sufficient time on a daily basis to work on other topics, strategic topics, content topics. And, and yes, I, I read myself into these things, but 
again, it's also a team question. So I have my experts as well. I don't need to know everything by myself and I can't. And so talking about blockchain here a little bit more fluently is a result of various, many, many, many discussions I had with my team members on this topic. And I don't need to have the knowledge about each and every detail in this regard. It's sufficient that I know what this is about and which direction it goes, that I have an, an idea where we can apply it and so on and so forth. And then if I want to have more details or if I need more details, I can always dig deeper. But it's basically impossible, I would say, particularly in, in technology these days, to have an overview about everything and at the same time being able to understand the details of everything. It's, it's impossible. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Okay, then let's move on to our last quick round of uh, short questions for our practical part, the toolbox. Starting this off, which is a book that you think everybody should read? Actually, I actually have two in my mind. The first one is uh, Factfulness by Hans Rosling. Probably have heard about this. Yeah, um, that's a good one. Changed really my personal view on the world quite substantially and also helped me in an abstract way to always strive for the broader picture because we are so overloaded by daily short-term information sometimes it's just good to step back and to look at the broader picture and then you come to completely other conclusions mm. and the second one more recently is uh, what i would recommend is, is accelerate by nicole forscreen and some other authors This is really about how to speed up, particularly in a corporate environment. For me, it was more a textbook, but uh, a necessary one where I took a lot of inspiration from. Cool. All right. Uh, which is an app that everybody should download? To be honest, I have no, not a specific idea. Maybe I'm a bit boring in this, in this regard. So I test apps, new apps, basically on a daily basis, but I also skip them immediately if I don't like them. Currently, I have no special recommendation. All right. Uh, do you have a podcast that you love listening to? Yeah, there is one. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's called Analog. And this is a lot about how technology is affecting us as human beings, as societies. I like that one very much. It's a lot about technology, but it's not about technology only, or it's not for tech experts necessarily, but it's a lot about understanding what technology is doing with us and for us. Okay, I make sure to check that one out. Is there a routine that you follow? Yeah, I, I mentioned that one already. So I really do yoga sessions every morning, some other exercises as well, but this is really half of an hour that I highly appreciate as my as part of my daily routine. This is a half an hour just for me with myself. Very early in the morning, when even the family is still sleeping, no calls, no emails, no nothing. It's cool. Nice. And uh, the last one, who is an innovator that everybody should know? Again, I have no one special in mind, apart from those that everyone knows. No, no, no specific idea, I have to say. Actually, I don't even believe, apart from some superstars like the Elon Musk type of guys, I, I don't believe in, in, in the power of, of 
single people exclusively in this regard. So I think most of the innovation is coming out of interaction of various people and then mm. working in an environment that allows for an innovative spirit. And that's where the innovative outcome comes from. Mm-hmm. So nice. probably it's not even about single people. Very cool. Daniel, thank you so much. Before we wrap it up, one last question to you. As we did it uh, with you, you will also have the chance to ask the next question to our upcoming guest, who is uh, Daniel Metzler, so the CEO of, of ESA Aerospace, basically the SpaceX of Germany. You might have heard of it. What would you like to ask to him? What is he doing to really keep customer obsession high in, this, in his company? That's a very good question. We're going to ask it. Daniel, thank you so much for taking the time. It was a real pleasure talking to you and I think great insights. Same from my side. It was really a pleasure. Highly appreciate it. And I hope that I was able to give some insight and yeah, hope to see you soon, the one or the other day. Take care. Okay, Lisa, what do you think of our episode with Daniel? Yeah, super cool. Also getting a bit of a different view in there since we talked a lot with people from entrepreneurship. And yeah, I really liked that I got the feeling he really knows about the technology, but then also really thinks about how this can be adopted in Allianz. And I think this is an aspect that we are sometimes forgetting in this whole innovation scene that all this new tech is only useful if people are using it and if it actually makes sense in a bigger context and if the adoption is well, good. And yeah, this was an aspect that I really liked and that he really showed to us, I would say. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, what you already mentioned with the corporate uh, aspect here, kind of that he showed the parallel say, okay, this is a big corporate, but there are also branches mm. and subparts and how he described his first job of being very fast driven uh, startup like even. Mm. And I, I think that's something that, yeah, it's important to not forget that yes, it is a, a corporate, but there are different sub aspects to it. And personally, as a guest, I think he had quite precise and like very calm and reflected answers to our questions. So that, that was also uh, cool to have this conversation with him. Yeah, true. And still very humble, like always mentioning his team. That was yeah. nice. Yeah. I mean, talking about mentioning uh, the team, uh, let's also give a shout out to our team behind the scenes. Maria doing the content, Keke the editing, Annalena the marketing and Frederick the vision of the pod. Thanks to them for doing all the work behind the scenes. Mm. Yeah, huge shout out. And that being said, we will introduce Daniel Metzler to you, who is the CEO and founder of ESA Aerospace. And we will have the honor talking to him and you'll hear this episode in two weeks. Really looking forward to that one. Stay tuned. And of course, as always, if you have any feedback, reach out to us on podcast at ctm.de. We're looking forward to it. See you in two weeks.